Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode 200 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. And my name is Barbara. I'm glad you didn't go with your new name. Yeah, I know. I just wanted to sound super enthusiastic just for you. Well, I appreciate that. We have all the reason to be enthusiastic. No doubt. 200 effing episodes. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. Not only that, we're actually recording this before Vision, so we still have the excitement of heading out of town. I'm already there. I leave at 5.50 a.m. in the morning and I can't wait. (laughs) So, unfortunately, we don't have any news of how great the Vision show was, but I'm sure you could watch the Las Vegas news to see what sort of trouble Barb and I got into. Um, yeah. (laughs) Barb did. I can tell you that now. Yeah, I'll probably go to bed early. (laughs) Good luck with that. So, episode 200. Mm Mm-hmm. When we were planning this episode, it was kind of hard to really come up with what we wanted to talk about. But before we get to the episode... Barb and I would like to take a moment to talk about the last 199 episodes. Mm. Barb and I can't be more grateful for all the amazing people in the dental lab industry that have welcomed us into their labs every week. We love this industry and could not and would not do this if it wasn't for you all. Mm. And to all the past guests over the last almost four years... We want to thank you for coming on the podcast to share with our community. This podcast is not about Barb and me. Duh. No, not at all. That would be terrible. <laughs> we wouldn't have made it to episode two. <laughs> the podcast is about whoever comes on to tell their story. All we're doing is asking questions. And forgetting how to pronounce last names. Well, I mean, it's not my fault people have weird <laughs> names. The next 200 episodes, everybody will be named Smith. <laughs> and of course, we can't forget to give a big thanks to the sponsors we've had over their years. Thank you. With their trust in our podcast to reach the industry, they have given Barb and I the freedom needed to put out this weekly podcast. So make sure you give them some love and make sure you tell them you heard them here on the podcast. Shall we get on? <laughs> shall we get on to episode 200? It would be nice to pop a champagne bottle right now, but I'm at work, so I can't. There you go. That was Best good. I can do. All right. I will insert firework noise right here. <laughs> Barb and I couldn't decide on who we should have on for the 200th episode. So after a few suggestions from friends on social media, we decided to have two of the greatest people in our industry on the podcast. Wow. But since they're not available, <laughs> we thought it was time to turn the tables and have somebody interview us. And the only one that could pull that off is no other than our good friend and fellow lab nerd, Joe Young from Young Dental Lab in Philadelphia. Yay, Joe! We actually had Joe and his dad on back on episode 90 when we were recording at the LMT Lab Day East back in 2019. Oh, good times. Yep. Good times. No mask, people hanging out. It was weird. Oh, yeah. But Joe definitely brought his A-game when we asked him to interview us. The creator of the Fans of Voices from the Bench page on Facebook came at us with difficult and hard-hitting questions. He was prepared for sure. Way more prepared than we ever were. (laughs) We hear about the mysterious and fascinating backgrounds to both of us. What inspired me to start a podcast in our industry And how and why I chose Barb to co-host. How, more likely. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I still question that. Sure you do. On a daily basis. Me too. (laughs) And what Barb and I have learned over the last 199 episodes. And to be honest, we just hope you come back for episode 201 after you hear us being interviewed. So join us as Joe Young interviews Elvis and Barb. Whitmix's new VeraWash resin cleaning station is the ideal piece of equipment to use in the 3D printed resin post-process. Its oscillating, multi-speed stirrer produces or tornado-like vortex every 30 seconds and guarantees efficient, effective, and powerful cleaning whether the units are individual or still attached to the build plate. The two alcohol baths make an effective step wash system 
It cleans more efficiently and there is less alcohol needed since it is reused for both a fresh bath and a dirty bath. The VeraWash's intelligent design offers features such as mode, time, and a start-stop button display, which gives the operator full and automatic control of the cleaning process. A mesh basket used in the wash container makes it easy to keep track of all small, printed parts when cleaning. The affordable unit's one-year warranty ensures peace of mind for the owner. So visit them at whipmix.com or call 1-800-626-5651 for more information about this great new product. And as always, we appreciate your support of the podcast, Whitmix. Voices from the Bench. The Interview. You always have to be in charge, Elvis. You're not in charge. Just let Joe do his thing. Joe, do your thing. I'm ready. Oh, yeah. Record has started, so whenever. Cool, man. Well, I've got this bottle of Fireball, a glass of Pinot, and dog, so hopefully we have a few bleeps, so it'll be like every other episode. And I'm drinking tequila, so I'm ready. (laughs) I just have the dogs. (laughs) I'm making a game out of this. Every time Barb gets bleeped, I do a shot of Fireball, so I... (laughs) I expect to be dead in about 90 minutes. Fantastic. Hey, whatever works. All right, cool. All right, so you guys you guys ready? I'm ready. Absolutely. I've been rehearsing this, so let's... Uh, we have it. Right. <laughs> so you know it took us 200 episodes to get good, so good luck with you. Oh, I, I know. All Thank the faith you. in the world. Oh, Disclaimer, if Joe's really good, he's not going to start his own podcast. So. <laughs> I'm not. I had to sign an NDA, right? Yeah. Not, and not compete. <laughs> All right. Well, well, ladies and gentlemen, greetings and welcome to the 200th episode of your favorite dental podcast, Voices from the Bench. My name is not Elvis. And in this day and age, many of you probably wouldn't be surprised if my name was Barbara, but it's not. Uh, my name is Joe, and I can't even begin to describe how excited I am to guest host this milestone episode. <laughs> So for the first time on VFTB, bestowed upon me is this tremendous responsibility of turning the tables on our creator and co-host to learn more about them, how the podcast got started, and hopefully hear more about where it's headed. So I'd like to welcome for the first time being interviewed on their own podcast, (laughs) Elvis Dahl. Yeah, don't pronounce it. And And Barbara Wodan. (laughs) You guys have a lot of silent letters. It's confusing. It's Wojan. It rhymes with Trojan. But it's going back to Warner very soon. Just saying. (laughs) How are you guys? Great. Fantastic. Fantastic. (laughs) I mean, sorry, sorry. That's interesting, Joe. Interesting. It's interesting. Uh, That's another check mark. Well, I want to thank you guys for allowing me to guest host the episode. And I'm not taking credit for this, but I recall way back early in the podcast history, I I would say around episode 40-ish or so, I approached Elvis at one of our NADL board meetings and I asked him, hey, you know what would be really cool? You know, like a a naive, annoying groupie. You know what would be really (laughs) cool? If someone interviewed you guys and Elvis was not impressed, so I went back to my corner with my coloring book. So I don't know if that stuck or if it resurfaced, but you know, nonetheless, I get a call from Barb when you guys were at the Whitmix Digital Forum, and oh, yeah. here I am. Yay! Nobody better than you, Mister. Oh, well, thanks. We were walking to a dinner in Denver, Colorado, I believe, when that subject came up, and I absolutely remember it. Mm-hmm. But back then, you got to remember, I didn't think. We were big enough and nobody really cared enough. But when we were deciding on the 200th episode and I reached out to social media, yeah, I remember. we had a few people mention, it's time for you guys to be interviewed. Oh, that's great. And it grew from there. Fantastic. Well, I'm glad it, it stuck and you guys remembered and I'm, I'm really appreciative. We didn't even consider anybody else. Nope. No, thanks. Right. So first and foremost, congrats. This is an amazing milestone of 200 episodes. I mean, like you said, did you ever think it would make it this far? Hell no. (laughs) I didn't even think we'd make it to 20. I knew I would make it. I just didn't know if Barb would make it along with me. (laughs) I have to say, though, I have been Johnny on the spot. You have. You have. It's been four years of this, so we've done good together. (laughs) No, Joe, I had no idea. 200. It's an amazing accomplishment. 
I used to see other podcasts with their high numbers and just thought there's absolutely no way. That's super cool. Yeah, I know you get some stats, so you can see where the downloads are coming from and the worldwide reach that you get. Have you seen, what's the furthest country that have been listening to you guys? Recently, only, I'm, I'm bringing up the stats right now, but only like 86% of our listeners are in America, which says a lot. Sure. 82.4, actually. The next biggest ones is Canada, and then China, the United Kingdom, Germany, Australia, and New Zealand have always been big. And recently, Russia has caught on. That's crazy. It is super nuts. <laughs> That's super cool. Well, like most of your episodes, let's start with some history. I think, as some of the listeners have mentioned, I think your listeners would be really interested in learning more about you. And, and if you don't mind, Barb, I, you know, ladies usually go first. I, I like oh, to start with no. Elvis is the king. Have <laughs> at it. In so many ways. Because I want to spend a little bit more time with you about family business, you know, second gen stuff that, that we're both passionate about. So correct me if I'm wrong, Elvis, but you came from the restaurant industry before DLT. Actually, secret is my father is a world-renowned ceramist. I didn't tell anybody this. No, I'm just, oh. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right, Joe. Ever since the age of 14, I thought restaurant was going to be my career for life. I started working in a restaurant that young. Um, actually started in the age of 13 when the state of Indiana sent my parents a letter saying I was too young to work. Huh. So I actually had to quit that job and wait till I turned 14. And then went back, and I've done restaurants most of my life. I mean, what do you do at the age of 13, 14 in a restaurant? Wash dishes and come under bad influences of other people that would uh, <laughs> steer me the wrong direction in life. But yeah, I was always into restaurants, and it, it wasn't any certain type of restaurant. I did gourmet restaurants. I did bar food. I've done pizza places. Very short stint and fast food. Yeah, that was my life. I thought I was going to be that chef growing up Aww. and now you're that elvis and now I, I can barely use a microwave so i don't know what happened to that <laughs> skill <laughs> so that was the end goal that you really wanted to be a chef yeah i really thought that was going to be my direction and i was managing a pizza place in my early 30s i was there for seven years called mellow mushroom it's pretty popular in the southeast and i was working there when another pizza place opened and this gentleman came in and kind of recruited me to his pizza place. And I thought the grass was greener on the other side. Mm -hmm. So I went and worked at this other pizza place. And within a few months, I knew it wasn't for me. Absolutely just hated working for the guy. So I tried to go back to Mellow Mushroom. And at that point, he's already found someone to manage the place and just brought me on hourly. I didn't know what else to do. So because he couldn't give me the hours I used to work, I started looking for a part-time job. And that's when I found a part-time job for a packer at Summer Dental Laboratories in 2008. Wow. Had no idea what it was. Had no idea. He is a packer. Sorry. I know it's Joe's. Yeah. So my life. <laughs> well, it has to do with fudge. No. Um, <laughs> what bad. what I did is I would open the restaurant, work lunch, leave about 2 o'clock, drive to the lab, and then all the cases that the technicians did would be piled up on this big counter. I had no idea what it was. And I would do the paperwork, put them in the delivery bag. I would ship them out with UPS. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got into the business. So you were packing. I was seriously packing. I remember throwing away bites because I thought they were trash. Oh, I've never done that. Yeah. <laughs> A packer. You actually answered, uh, what, what was it, just a classified ad in the, in the paper? Or uh, it wasn't the paper. It was like Indeed or Monster or something. Oh, wow. Well, that's really cool. That's, so that's how you ended up at Summer. And you've been at Summer the entire time. Yes, I was there for 13 years. 13 years. And you, you worked your way up and ultimately to the director of operations. Yeah. So when I started working there, I mean, I fell in love with it. It was kind of like my first adult job. You know, it felt like it. It was out of the restaurant. And... I just fell in love with the people, fell in love with the whole industry, the process, and started learning. Eventually, somebody quit that was a scheduler, mm -hmm. and they asked me if I wanted to move over. I was happy to leave the restaurant, 
And it just went from there. I scheduled for a while and then I eventually started understanding the processes more and more and just ended up managing the place. Wow, that's amazing. You worked your way up and how big was the lab at the time? It was really big when I started. It was closer to 40 people. Okay. And then when I left, granted pandemic, all that started, it was down to the high 20s. Okay. Interesting. So everything was just on the job training. Absolutely. And then, of course, the owner, Larry Sawinski, was huge in participation with the NADL and everything back in his day in the 80s and 90s. So he was big on getting me involved, taking me to Chicago and Visions and Cow Lab. And that's where I learned that it was more than just summer dental. Hmm. I remember asking after a few months working there, being like, so there's more than just this lab? There's more than just summer? I had no idea. <laughs> wow. Because I remember you from some previous episodes when you were talking about the restaurant you know, experience, you, know, you talked about the similar roles and responsibilities that translated into the lab space, right? Like you talked about scheduling, but, you know, like daily operations or, you know, ordering supplies and staff management, customer service. I mean, you, granted you had 13, 15 years of that in the restaurant business and that translated to the lab and you did find a lot of it was, was transferable, right? I mean, you, you, it was very applicable to what you did at the lab. Absolutely. Granted with the pizza place, a lot of it was managing high schoolers. You know, I was going to say adult daycare. <laughs> yeah, but that yeah. translated into lab. I, you know, I hate to admit it, but a lot of it was just personality, you know, working with different types of people and that rush, you know, in the restaurant business, you get ready, you're slam busy for a couple hours. You don't even know what's going on. And then it's done. It happens in a lab too. When you hit that three, four o'clock. Just trying to get everything out the door. At least it was on my end. Technically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, we all know what it's like. That rush, that yeah. sense of urgency, that, that sense of prioritizing what needs to be done first comes in real big in the restaurant and, of course, the lab. Yeah, sure. Interesting. So you started going to trade shows and meetings and conventions while at summer, and you decided you were exposed to the rest of the industry, right? That's really what drew me to enjoy it even more. Right. And that decided that you needed to spend even more time with the industry. You got elected to serve on the board of the NADL to volunteer your time. I mean, was that the, the impetus? Decide to join the board and expose yourself to even more? Yeah. It all started really with NADL University. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Again, the owner was nice enough to send me to that. I recommend to anybody to go check that out. It's like a weekend long, really good focus on the business side of our industry. Right. And I really met some great people, awesome people that I'm still friends with today. That's great. Having conversations with some of the other people that went through the board and participated and just seeing that, you know, this is something that I think I might be interested in. A side note, Joe, that's when I first yeah. heard about you. Huh. Through what? Through NADLU or no? Or the board? Getting on the board because we were on it at the same time. That's correct. And I didn't know that there would be competition. <laughs> and I remember when JDT came out, and there was a list of all the people that were up to be on the board. Oh, me, <laughs> Joe, Lonnie, and I think Heather, or was she the year after? I don't know. I don't know either. But. I'm going to admit, Joe, and I'm sorry to say this, but I didn't like you when I first met you because <laughs> I thought you were my competition. And I was like, oh, my God, who is this guy? Maybe that's why you blew me off. Oh, Joe is stealthy. Let me tell you. Everybody listening. <laughs> I seriously thought it was going to like it's either Joe or I, that, you know. <laughs> well, I think we're both very fortunate to have served at the same time together. Absolutely. It was an amazing experience, so. So that's, so that's awesome. Thank so you. you guys both won. Is that the point? Everybody got on. I had no idea that that many seats were open. Yeah, neither did I. Okay. But I really thought there was one seat and it was going to be like Royal Rumble of <laughs> of uh, competition. Me too. And I was walking around handing out money. I mean, I don't... I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I would do that too. Oh, uh, that's really cool. Well, thanks for sharing that history. With yeah, me. I don't hate you anymore, by the way. Well, well thanks. Uh, that's uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. You know, sidebar regarding the dogs, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you foster dogs? Yep. Aww. But we have four of our own. So sweet. Four? Yeah. And right now we're fostering two. Wow. So it's just like a revolving door of 
canines here. I always tell people it's an experience to sit down at our house. <laughs> and you always hear them on the podcast, don't you, Joe? Absolutely. Yep. And that's great. I mean, I have mine here, but... Ever since I started working at home. <laughs> oh, wow. That's great. But they're all small. We enjoy our small, older dogs. They're all five pounds, six pounds. Even the ones that you foster? Yeah. That would make sense. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes they get up to like eight or nine, but never too big. Now, of the four, were any of those fosters originally and you just decided to keep them? One of them was a foster fail, as they like to call. What does that mean? You foster a dog and then you end up keeping it. Aww. It's a foster fail. It's a good term, even though the word yeah, fail isn't it. I was going to say. Yeah. But yeah. the other ones, no, we got specifically. But they are from other rescues. That's a great effort. And, and the animals need it. That's how we got our dog. That's awesome. Now, Barb, you have an impressive resume, which include three decades in DLT. You have a CDT in ceramics. You're accredited by the AACD. I mean, Dawson and Hornbook programs. I mean, the list goes on, right? Yeah. Numerous rewards for the work you and your team have accomplished in both clinical success and in business. Yet you still made time to volunteer on numerous boards. Again, that's where we meet on the NADL board, but ultimately you serve as president. Thank you for your service. You're welcome. What a great year that was, right? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. What a blowout, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's there's Cal Lab and then this podcast. I mean, how are you juggling all these balls? I love balls. So the more balls the better. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You can take that out if you want, Elvis. Just a note, Barb. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but every time you say you can take that out, Elvis, I don't. Just it I know. Do. So there you have it. So that had to have been an innuendo, I know, Joe, because you know us so well. But honestly, <laughs> I can remember watching my dad, and you know, I reference him a lot. But yes. I remember my first Vision Twenty One meeting, long, long, long time ago, and his good friend Chuck Rickabaugh had had cancer, and they had been serving together for about twelve years. And I don't know, something just happened inside me when I looked at Chuck, and I thought about everything that he had done, and my dad had done. And I just wanted to follow in those footsteps. And that was when they first launched the foundation. That was that year. And I remember going up to Bennett saying, sign me up. I want to give back. I want to do something. And so from that point on, it's always just been something that resonated in me watching those guys and how much they love our industry. It's just wanting to give back. I mean, what's life all about? You know, it's been really good to me. I've had a good career professionally and personally. And um, I love it. And I wouldn't have met you two if I hadn't. So That's true. cheers to us. Hey, cheers. Have you always been with an artistic background? I mean, you've always worked well with your hands. Um, I don't know. Like my history is, I don't, I'm sure some people know about it, but I was super introverted um, when I was in high school. And when I graduated, I was one of the very few people that I knew that didn't want to go to college. And I was off in Orlando partying with my girlfriend and my dad called me up one day and said, get your ass back here. I just had somebody leave and I need you to go to work and driving. I was going to be a driver. And I was just so upset because I was just like, damn it, man. So I came back. I listened to my dad and he put me into a driving position and then a packing position, Elvis. Honestly. Oh, there you go. You're both packers. Unpacking impressions and marking them and billing and just doing all sorts of our jobs. But then there was an opening one day as an opaker. And one of the other people in the laboratory had their eye on me and mentioned to my dad that he wanted to give me a shot at this position. And that was when I parlayed into opaking way back when and never looked back. So that was actually when I became an artist. I really liked the whole flow of opaking. It was a spray opaque at the time. And it just really calmed me down and soothed me. And I enjoyed the heck out of it. And I've been there ever since. So yeah, introversion. Now you know me, I'm not introverted anymore, but I was back then. <laughs> so on the job training as usual, at what point did you decide or who decided that you needed more education and what types Everybody of Everybody decided. My dad was always pushing, pushing, pushing. I was super young. I was what, 18 so I think when I was about 24, 25, I had worked my way into the ceramics role and I was doing ceramics buildups. At this time, it was refractory, which was a long time ago. And he basically said, hey, 
I want you to become a CDT. And I think it's something that you need to do. And so I committed to it and threw myself into studying all of the uh, manuals, I think from the army, were they the army or the Navy? It's the Air Force manual. Air Force. (laughs) You were close. I've been doing this my whole life and I still don't know. So the Air Force manuals, all of the tests that they had, and I had to learn to wax and the metal finish because I didn't know either of those two. So I came in every weekend for months and months and months and months and months because I don't do anything half ass. And then finally, I took the written exam and passed that. I went out to the Colorado Air Force Base and took my um, ceramics exam. And my oven arrived broken and I had to use one of theirs and they were super great to me. And Wait, just you, had amazing. To, you had to ship the oven, your porcelain oven? I had to ship everything. I brought my handpiece in my suitcase and then I had to ship the oven and UPS just trashed it. I opened oh it up. Oh, like, oh my God. 6.30 in the morning, I opened up my oven and it's just completely cracked and trashed. But at that time they had my same exact oven and they were super great to me and let me use it. And I uh, finished in just in time, literally, like the last second I finished. So, yeah, that's a great story. It it was fun. No pressure. Did you pass your first time? Yes, I did. Nice. I I got an A. Oh, congrats. That's awesome. So at what point was the transition to become a second generation owner? The lab was fairly large, right, back then? Yeah, that's a long story. So my dad, you know, I think I just had my son. So my son's now 16 And at that time, he was ready to sell. He was tired. He was ready to go. So I was too young. I was definitely not ready. And unfortunately, I wasn't ready. But he sold to myself and my sister and Scott Pincus and another gentleman, Warren Rogers. Everybody knows him. So we bought the company. I I think that was back in 2005. And I don't know. We worked through the whole craziness of those 10 years. And, you know, it was very rewarding. I absolutely loved it. I love managing. I love working. I love financials. I love all that stuff. And he left and and we bought it. Fantastic. So now you're second gen, you're president of Knight Dental Group. You have over last 100 employees. I mean, what kind of key advice would you have for managers and owners about about management? I don't know. You know, we, we call it adult daycare, but you generally just really (laughs) have to manage people differently. You can't manage everybody the same. You know, everybody has their triggers. Everybody has their things that they're dealing with at home and they bring it to work. And some days they're just pissy or, you know, they're just, you know, not the same person. And you just have to really dial yourself into different people and different personalities. And you just have to be fair. I remember my dad always said, you know, it doesn't matter what position you are in the lab. You have to respect everybody for what they bring because everybody brings to the team the success. And, you know, I just really feel that way to this day. It's not like it used to be, but, you know, you still try to bring a little bit of that to you every day. Sure. And that's great advice. You know, and and speaking of family business, uh, a quick shout out to my brother and sister-in-law, Steve and Rachel Young who are holding down the fort as I'm doing this with you guys. And, and you just mentioned you have a sister. She works at the lab too with you. Yeah. Yeah. She runs the whole removable department. She used to be in sales. Her name's Kristen Brown. Super, super close to her. We hated each other growing up, but now that we work together, we just love each other to death. And it's just awesome. a blessing to have her there. That Now that my dad's not there, you know, she's kind of like my sounding board. So yeah, she's, she's amazing. So smart. Super cool. And at some point your son worked there too, didn't he? Uh, yes, he did. He was amazing. He left to go discover himself a little bit, but I'm trying to get him back. I think he's probably going to be in back in very, very short future and or possibly doing his own thing, opening up his own lab. So Whoa. I'm oh, wow. excited for him. That's yeah. exciting. Yeah. He doesn't want to stay with the group, with the family? I wouldn't want to stay with the group personally. <laughs> but a three-year-old person, knowing what I know now, I think there's yeah. so much that we can do and so much what we can give to the industry that opening your own spot at 23, 24 years old, I think would be a great career move for him. So I support that. And we talk to so many people on the podcast that do that, yeah. and it's yeah. it's inspiring. <laughs> Hell yeah. Sure. Completely. People have just balls and they go out and they invest in all of this new machines and printers and mills. And then they, it all comes back to you. If you're good at it and you're good with communicating with doctors and this industry is amazing financially, professionally, personally, 
Yeah, it, it is rewarding in that respect. Absolutely. I want to add that, Joe, you asked Barb about all that she's done for the industry and her continuing education. And you asked me about my dogs. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Poor thing. He well, I want to start late to that real about. quick, though. I'm just you know, kidding. Like <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, can I ask a quick question? Oh, Joe, ask this question. No, you can ask when it. When did Elvis approach Barbara about the podcast? Well, actually, I have that. Yeah, I'm sure. You're going to get there. Okay. But right before that, you know, as a business owner and entrepreneur myself, you know, I find it, I find it fascinating to learn about other success stories and how others can benefit from these experiences, right? I mean, there's no greater learning experience than failure. And it's even more important to get up from those mistakes, you know, preventing them from reoccurring and be better next time. You know, it's that resilience and that exhaustive drive that differentiates us from others. Yeah. So speaking of exhaustive drives, Elvis, tell us about the history of the podcast. I mean, what prompted you to start a dental lab related podcast? I mean, what was the motivation there and why'd you do it? It all really started with me getting more into sales at summer. We went through probably, I don't know, four or five different salespeople and they were all terrible. Mm -hmm. They didn't understand what we did. They could go out and talk about product, but as soon as a hard question was asked, it was, oh, let me check with Elvis, or let me have Elvis call you. Mm. So eventually, I got to the point where I started going out and doing sales. So I would go on these road trips an hour out to visit offices, and I started listening to dentist podcast. I started checking them out because I wanted to understand the clinical side a little bit more. And there's a ton of dentist podcasts out there. I mean, just hundreds of them. And there's one I really resonated with called The Dental Hacks. Uh, These two guys, Alan Mead and Jason Lipscomb, did a podcast together. They have since stopped doing it together. But it was just their dynamic and the way they ran the show really connected with me. And I started listening to them. And I actually went back to listen to early episodes And there was an episode with Mark Jackson on it. I'm sure we all remember Mark Jackson. Sure. Yeah. He taught at the NADL University when I I was there. I remember. I was there too for that. You were at that NADLU? No, I wasn't. He taught for years. Yeah. He did. I was at the very first one. No kidding? The very first NADLU, I was on that uh, inaugural class. And I think, I'm pretty sure Mark was one of the uh oh yeah he he did it for like 10 plus years yeah Yeah. i was the nadl too guys i wish i would have been in class with you all yeah no kidding we should all go again (laughs) but anywho (laughs) mark jackson did an episode like hey what's going on with the lab business Mm -hmm. you know what's new what's coming out what are people seeing and that's really what made me start thinking why don't we have one for ourselves why don't we have a podcast where we can discuss things I love going to conventions, but to me, my favorite part was the conversations between the speakers or the open forum at CalLab or the roundtables at Vision, where it was just a simple discussion of what was going on in our industry. And that's really what made me start thinking about it. Wow, that's awesome. And originally, I approached the NADL with the idea to make it an NADL podcast, but some smart- And we're not going to say what they said. (laughs) I'm going to say some smart people recommended to me not to go that route because of the changing presidency that you never know what direction. And at first I was devastated, absolutely devastated, but it ended up being probably the best thing that ever happened. Yeah. Because originally it wasn't even my idea to host. What? You just wanted to create it? I had no idea. (laughs) I really thought the idea was good. (laughs) <laughs> and I knew that I wouldn't be the best at it. Aw, you oh, are, though. <laughs> You're the ringleader. Did you research, like, hey, are there dental lab podcasts? I did a little bit. There are labs that have podcasts, right? but they're all geared towards dentists. Hmm. It was all a way of getting their lab's name out there to their clients, which makes right, sense. Like a marketing tool. Yeah, absolutely, which makes perfect sense. But I couldn't find any. Huh. And honestly, what I did is I reached out to the guys at the Dental Hacks. Alan Mead, really, I reached out to him and said, hey, listen, I'm thinking about doing this. Can you help? And he was a huge, huge help on kind of showing me how it's done, how you host a site, what software to use to edit, equipment to get. I mean, he was a huge help. I will always give him in that podcast credit for inspiration for what Barb and I are doing. 
Oh, that's fantastic. And, and again, what an entrepreneurial experience that is for you to start something from nothing, right? I mean, you learn to do everything on your own, basically from scratch, even though you have some resources and some advice, but still you had to make this on your own. I had no idea what I was doing. I still don't even know what we're doing. <laughs> it's not just me. We, I think we all agree that you guys have done an amazing job over the, so many What is that? Years. What? What? Oh, I'm getting a tattoo. Oh, going to be on my left bicep. I thought it was a vibrator. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Sounded like one. And we've lost it. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm sure everybody would agree that that's what it sounded like. Just saying. That's what you really think about me using a... Uh, <laughs> I know you guys talked about it, but Elvis has six or seven tattoos at this point, mm-hmm. right? Thinking about getting one, maybe. There you go. You're going to get a Voices from the Bench logo? Yeah, that's going to be tattooed on my right cheek. Nice. <laughs> Is that face cheek or butt cheek? Next time we get together, you'll, you'll see. <laughs> now, I was torn between uh, getting something on my right bicep, either a, a SAM 3 or a carbon fiber Artix, you know, articulator on my There you go. That'd be cool, right? Noise. Yeah. Barb, you mentioned it. Elvis, how much are you paying, Barb? Because, <laughs> I mean, how lucky are you to end up with such a talented, beautiful, down-to-earth, tequila-drinking co-host? I mean, how long was that list of contenders? Or Yeah, how some- was that? <laughs> I can tell you the story of when we first did, but how did you pick me? Well, good question. I have the original list on my phone. Oh. So oh let's let's go back. Let's go back. Lab Day 2018. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> 2018, I had this idea of a podcast. Did not exist. Didn't even have a name for it yet. But when I was at Lab Day and Cal Lab and everything, I was there for a mission to find out if people would be interested to being on it. And I asked a ton of people. And Barb, I don't even know if you remember, but I asked you... Oh, yeah. If you would be interviewed. And you're like, sure. But I also asked Anton, Jeff Strunk. I mean, just all, everybody I knew, basically, mm-hmm. if they would be on it, except for Joe, because I still hated Joe at that time. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was at that Cal Lab, Barb, that you spoke or you hosted a panel. Yeah. And you were up on stage, and your personality, I don't know, just kind of clicked. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I already knew I didn't want to host the podcast by myself. I don't want to just talk. I wanted to have a conversation with somebody. And I knew I wanted somebody. And you were the only person I ever thought about asking. Aww. For a couple reasons. You're outgoing. You've been in the industry for a long time. You're a technician. I'm not a technician. I was afraid people would be asking me questions that I wouldn't be able to answer. The yin and the yang. And I honestly thought it would be hard to find guests. And I thought you were popular. don't you remember when you mentioned it to me we were freezing our asses off on the chicago road running in heels i believe i was running in heels yeah i took my heels off (laughs) we were at a pizza place yep sitting at a bar there were other people there and we were sitting next to each other and we actually took a selfie that day and that's when i asked you and you were like what's a podcast (laughs) (laughs) what's a podcast i did I swear to God. So, Barb, how did you react to Elvis's proposal to, to exactly that a, a podcast? I, I mean, said, what is that? I have no idea. None, zero. Did you jump right in, or did and say it yes, or did you have to think? No, about of it? course, I told him yeah. I think that was when we. I know for a fact we ran back to the hotel yes. with my knee and heels, and so we clicked. And I said, sure, I'm up for it. I never say no if somebody asks me to do something, especially industry related. I'm like, sure, I'll do it. I had no idea what the hell I was into, but I said yes. Oh, that's great. And I liked Elvis. He was super cool. We got along great. We mm-hmm. totally got each other. We're both runners. And we just, you know, we just clicked. I mean, we, we've always been super good buddies. Right, Elvis? Yes. And you've lost two hours every week since. <laughs> yeah. I've been one on time MF, if anybody <laughs> knows what that means. But yeah, I'm happy with what turned out asking Barb to do it. It's been an amazing partnership that I hope continues for another four years. And I think we sucked for the first like 25 episodes, but it was we terrible. got better. It was terrible. <laughs> and I almost want to have all those guests on again. <laughs> yeah. Super um, nervous. That's super cool. Well, I'm glad you guys are together and it, you know, we can feel how close you guys are 
and it works. It works for the podcast. So I will say that the first couple episodes, they were scripted. Yeah. I sat down and wrote what I would say, what Barb would say, what I would say, what Barb would say. Yeah. Just because we had no idea. And now we don't do that. You know, we just go in with a few bullet points of things we need to cover. And that's it. Super cool. Well, I want to talk about marketing for a second. And I know, Elvis, you presented this very topic at the Lab Marketing Summit a few years ago. You know, like a sole proprietor knocking on doors for customers, you use memes to advertise the podcast. And, and it's highly effective. I mean, highly that, effective. Was that the intention? I mean, tell me about the memes. Because at this point, you've probably created, you know, well over 300 of these. Oh, yeah. I have no idea how many I've done. It really started with having the social media for the podcast. And for a long time, all I was posting was the episode. And social media wasn't growing because it was only once a week, maybe twice a week postings. And I knew I needed something. Being a huge fan of memes myself, I just ran into a few memes that I knew that I could turn into being related to our industry. And it started with just one or two. And then I got into this habit of doing one every Tuesday and Thursday. And then it turned into every day (laughs) because I just became obsessed (laughs) with making them. And they're hilarious, but that's exhausting too. I mean, every day is just finding content and ideas that are relatable to what we do is it's tiring. Yeah. I mean, luckily I got 14 years worth of content to go off of because every day something (laughs) funny happens. Absolutely. It does. I remember when you did the memes and you two were in competition. (laughs) That was very early on. That's when I started hating Joe again. (laughs) (laughs) I I remember that. Joe was like, here you go. Boom. And then back and then forth and then back and then forth. That was great. (laughs) So Barb, do you have a favorite one or one that sticks out the most? No, probably the one with the balls. Didn't you do that one, Joe? I think. Yes. That was most recently. At this point, sometimes when I think of one, I'll just uh, I'll I'll just send it over to Elvis. That's true, and a few people do that. They say, "Hey, use this as a meme," or "Hey, use this," and I I love it because I'll put it in my phone and it'll sit on it. And a couple months later, inspiration will hit; a new meme will be created. Because you start just collecting like a gallery of these things, right? Oh, my phone is full of them. It's terrible. It's like if I need to find a picture of a family member, I got to scroll for an hour and a half. (laughs) Well, guys, looking back at the past 199 episodes and all that you've accomplished so far, all the people in our industry that you've talked to, taking into account the the dedication, the travel, the weekly commitment. I mean, are are there any episodes or guests that really stood out to you the most? Hmm. I'm going to safely say all of them. Yeah. (laughs) and all of them have been very interesting because we you know as an industry like you said barb earlier i mean most of us are introverts as artists yeah and we don't have the opportunity as much as we like to get out and learn more you know in terms of ce and you know learning about new techniques and materials but no i mean this this as your vessel has been an amazing opportunity for us to to hear about what's out there right if we don't have the time to travel to some of these conventions like lab day I mean, it's very difficult to, uh, you know, other than obviously the journals and, and uh, you know, the magazines, yeah. uh, but you got to have time for that stuff, you know? I think it's just cool because we're reaching so many different people in so many different areas and like the tattoos and the, and the guy in California that made that prosthesis for the actors. And mm-hmm. like, yeah. there's so many things in our industry that we're doing that cross over and you would never think of them. And we're bringing that to everybody's attention. And they're like, wow, this is great. It's not just our own little bench, but it's this all of these facets and all of these people that make our industry great. And so I think for me, you know, of course, Glidewell, but I've really enjoyed every one of them. We, we do them on Fridays mm-hmm. and Elvis, he always preps me and makes sure I know everything, but it's just cool. Instagram, all those little areas that Elvis is finding people. It's just broadened my horizons personally to see how much is out there. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's a tremendous amount of content that if, if you searched for it, I mean, Elvis, would you agree? I mean, you've yeah, you safely said that, you know, there's of the 199 episodes, I mean, and well over probably close to 250 guests. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's truly an amazing endeavor. So hats off to you guys. One of my favorite parts is when we started the podcast, I asked a lot of big names in the industry, but as we grew we also talked to the solo lab owner 
or or that guy that has the van down yeah. in Arkansas, you know? I mean, those people that are not going to get highlighted, even though he was an LMT later, but, you know, those people that you're not going to see on stage right. or you might not run into at Visions meeting or Chicago because they just can't make it. But their story is still just as interesting mm-hmm. and just as relevant. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you think that using the, the podcast as the conduit for, for these people to, to reach out to you, it's, it's a little bit safer because they're just having a conversation either on the phone or on on their laptop. Yeah. Yeah. LMT or JDT, you know, they only have so many pages for content. But with the podcast, it's every week. We have plenty of space for anybody in our industry to come on and tell your story. So on a note of these 199 episodes, I mean, you've gained a tremendous amount of insight into our industry and certainly all of us by listening to you weekly. Can we talk about the state of the industry a little? I mean, many episodes cover current state-of-the-art technologies, you know, 3D printers, digital dentistry, digital dentures, new materials, you know, even some emerging tech like uh, virtual reality trade shows and forums. I mean, where do you see us as an industry currently? And does it look good for us in the near future? Are you pausing for me, Barb? Yeah. <laughs> I am, actually. <laughs> I see a very interesting shift I see one side of our industry going towards a dandy type model where everything's going to be streamlined. But at the same time, I'm extremely positive in seeing smaller labs be successful, in office labs be successful. I think it really depends on how you want your workflow to go. I think both business models have a place. I'm not too worried. I think the middle's becoming very gray, but we talk to a lot of labs that are just two or three people. Kicking right. ass. Uh, Kicking yeah. ass, yeah. absolutely. And yeah. even the ones we don't talk to, because I have to mention it every episode, when I travel with Preet, I run into these labs, and they're kicking ass too. Yep. But these larger, you know, NDXs and, and dandies, you know, they're scary, but they're not everything. Right. Or how do you feel about this. that, Barb? Yeah, you think so? Yeah, you know what? I feel the same way or I would not be pushing my son towards opening a small lab. Mm. There's so much opportunity out there for the boutique laboratory still that just wants to service, you know, five clients. And there's a lot of money to be made. And there's also a lot of people to make happy. And there's a lot of smiles to be made. And so, yeah, I think there's still a fair amount of outsourcing going on. There's always been going on. A fair amount of big labs taking over the world, but there's always going to be a spot for those guys that want to just service five, six dentists. And you're going to make a lot of money doing it and you're going to make a lot of people happy. So yeah, I do too. Your son being a third generation, but exploring his own options, getting into the lab space on his own. What do you see in terms of new people getting into the lab? You know, millennials are getting older. So are Gen Z's going straight into digital? I mean, are they missing the manual dexterity portion of, of what we do? Oh, God, that's tough. I mean, I speak for a lot of people. We can't even find people. No matter what generation they come from, we're struggling to find new people. So I don't really have an answer for that. But we're looking for people to run the mills, people to scan, uh, trainees. I mean, you name it. Implants is going crazy right. right now. We can't even keep up with the demand in implants. And so we're looking for more advanced implant technicians as well as incoming. So God, I don't, I don't really know about the generations. I'm, I'm too far out, I guess. Too far in my bench to even look around, but I can tell you that it's hard to find yeah, anybody agreed. right now. Same here. I think labs have to take training on themselves. Yeah, I do too. It's got to become a priority. You're only going to find people without skills, and you got to find a way to train them. And I understand how hard it is. We had terrible training at the lab I was at. You know, you hire someone, you say, sit down, good luck, <laughs> and you hope they pick it up. You really need to get good training within your own lab in order to get these people up to speed. Oh, which takes money. You know, we talk about the foundation and all of the things that there's available for training, but it's tough to bring somebody off the street and, and train them nowadays. And then you lose them in a month or they're tired or, you know, they don't show up. And it's just tough right now in our industry. It gets very frustrating for me every day, just looking around and going, wow, how do we promote it? And from the podcast, you either know somebody that knows somebody or your family. And um, so it's just, it's just tough. So what's next for the podcast, guys? This is your baby, Elvis. I mean, uh, 
I know 100% of profits from promotional marketing items that you sell benefit the foundation. So thank you for those continuous efforts. Yes, they do. I haven't got my shirts yet. I got though. mine. Just saying. Yeah, got sorry. mine very before Christmas. They just let us know that we raised over a thousand bucks for the foundation Aww. since we started, cool. which is amazing. Because I know you're not doing this for the money, you yeah. know, like a typical dental technician. So, <laughs> so I'm guessing it's just fame and glory. I mean, is is you do post the podcast street on cred. YouTube, street cred. <laughs> You're going to expand into a YouTube channel or TikTok maybe? No, I've always been a fan of audio media. Mm. I don't want to go turn into a, like a video. I want people to be able to, to enjoy our podcast while doing other things. I can't sit and watch a video for an hour. You'd lose me or I'd fall asleep. But if it's audio only, I can drive, I can run, I can work. No, there's no plan for video. I do like the fact there's more shows coming up because Elvis and I really, really, really love mm-hmm. face-to-face interviews, even though they're yeah. just audio. Getting out and seeing people's body language and just the excitement of sure. talking to people. We were at the Whitmix Digital Forum, and that was the last meeting that we went to. That was awesome. And we're going to be at Visions, you know, in a couple of weeks. Hopefully, we'll see each yeah. other there and then uh, LMT. So I, I think for us, it's hopefully opening... Uh, everything back up so we can get back out on the road we love that recording at shows is fun because it's a different type of conversation we don't dive as deep with the guests at the time it's casual and it's people again that maybe don't have a whole hour's worth of story to tell Mm -hmm. that 15 minutes 20 minutes or whatever we get it's just as good yeah, I agree. It's it's super casual. And it's candid. You know, it's on the spot. And, uh, you know, they, they get to speak what they want to get off their chest about, you know, their, their story. And and we, we find it entertaining. It's really interesting. And editing's a lot easier. <laughs> I love oh, it. Oh, yeah. And I like to go out and grab people and say, come talk mm-hmm. to us. It was a little difficult lately, but um, hopefully at LMT Day, people will be happy to come sit down with us. But we just love that part of it. I hear oh, your yeah. dog. He's they know the hours coming up. <laughs> they must. So what's Trained next for well. you guys personally? I mean, Elvis, I know you're enjoying working with Chris Bormas at Preet, Territory Sales Manager. Is that right? Yeah. I'm just doing what I'm doing, you know. I really love talking to labs, going out and visiting them. They gave me the surrounding states. Yeah. So I get to visit them as often as I need. But I also am expanding out. So in a few weeks, I'm heading out to Edmonds in Springfield, Missouri. Oh, great people. Yeah, I'm doing a presentation for them. And then since I'm out there, I get to go visit Tulsa, Oklahoma and Oklahoma City. I've never been there, but there's some great labs out there. Sure. So I'm really loving that aspect of it. Sales is a bit different for me. Mm -hmm. I'm used to the... But he likes to talk. I do enjoy talking. (laughs) It's basically I get paid to do the podcast when I go in and visit a lab because I get to ask questions and learn about them. I'm going to keep doing it. That's you know, I, I really love it. And implants has always been kind of a passion of mine. So it's an easy thing to talk about. Super cool. And Barb, I know you value your time with your dad. I mean, he's a living legend. Yeah, I was just thinking about yeah. him when you asked that question. He's, you know, 81. He's definitely a uh, my time is limited. Let's just put it that way. So I'm trying to spend as much time as I can sure. going out to dinner, hanging out. And they're going on a four month cruise oh, here. No. They're leaving next week. So they're not going to be back until like April, but I'm just really enjoying being back on the bench and creating smiles and managing the department and just trying to do the best work I can. And to be honest with you, I'm super grateful that Elvis asked me, you know, when I first thought about it and didn't even know what a podcast meant, but it's just been such a wonderful journey. And we've met so many great people and there's been this commitment, you know, it's every Friday and no matter what, you know, we're both ready and able and willing and, and everybody that that's come on to talk to us has been amazing. And I just, I'm just grateful. And I'm grateful to you, Joe, you know, you created the, the page, you know, the friends of voices on the bench or what is the title? Fans of. Fans of Voices from the Bench. See, I know when I'm wrong, so I need a little help, but thank you as well. Oh, it's it's certainly my pleasure. Giving us shout outs and, you know, taking your time and just uh, some of the stuff that you put in there cracks me up. And (laughs) I think everybody really likes to have that, you know, to 
to comment and like. And so thank you as well oh, for being just always there for us. Well, you know, as Elvis would remind us, you know, we quickly hit the hour mark with so much great content and great material. And, and you talked about your tour schedule, your podcast schedule for coming year. You're going to be at Visions. Where else can people find you? None of it's uh, concrete. concrete or locked in, but I hope we'll be at DLAT in Texas. Yeah, Texas. FDLA, that's coming up. Yep. Nice. Ladies of the Mill, big shout out to them. They're doing it again in July. Yep. Definitely yep. plan on being there. Hopefully Barb will Super make it this time. Ha, ha, ha. I mean, anywhere that basically will have us. <laughs> That's great. And and Elvis loves that because we get more content, so he's less stressed. Absolutely. <laughs> content is king. <laughs> and we're just lining up people. I just talked to somebody yesterday and got them lined up for the podcast. And I have to say, sorry, uh, my next available is in three months. Wow. I don't want to kill the excitement of being on the podcast, but... Well, that's great news. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, awesome. I love it. List. Yeah. Well, super cool. Well, guys, I, I wasn't keeping track of all the bleeps, and I'm still sober, so... I think we did I still have this glass of Pinot. My dog hasn't barked yet, so I think all in all, a success. I mean, I can't I can't thank you enough for allowing me to drive this bus today. You know, I hope your listeners had a few laughs. We certainly learned a lot about you today, and we all thank you for what you've created, what you're doing and being this vessel for information. So thank you truly. An amazing accomplishment and congratulations again. You know, we want more. So to your listeners, if you want to share your story, have a guest suggestion, maybe a topic you want Elvis and Barb to explore and discuss with other industry leaders, hit them up at info at voicesfromthebench.com. And shameless plug, Barb, you mentioned it. If you're a true groupie of this podcast, look me up at fans of Voices from the Bench on Facebook. Guys, I... Look yes. forward to seeing you guys real soon. Thanks again. Thank you, Joe. Joe, thank you. Honestly, there's no better person we could oh, have asked. a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. To come on this episode. To, to celebrate <laughs> 200 episodes. Thank you. I, yeah. That's all I got is just thank you so much for doing this. It's my pleasure. Bleep you. Yeah. <laughs> F*** you, Joe. <laughs> have a good oh, one. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thanks, my Joe. Pleasure. Thanks. Thank you. Did you know that most InLab MCX5 users that have ordered burrs from Grow3x once keep on ordering Grow3x burrs over and over again? No way. You know what? I didn't know that. Why do you think that is, Elvis? Well, I think it's because Grow3x burrs are engineered by some of the same folks who have been providing burrs to some of the largest U.S. production labs for years. Did you also know that most roll-ins and DG Shape users have no idea what they are missing out on? Well, I think I can guess what they're missing out on. You are right. Most Roland and DG Shape users have absolutely no idea how good and great Grow3x burrs are because they think that the Grow3x burrs are only for the in-lab systems. Well, they are wrong. <laughs> to give Roland and DG Shape users the opportunity to find out for themselves how great the burrs are for their machines... Grow3x is now offering a buy three, get two burrs free special. This is exclusively for Voices from the Bench listeners, you guys, so please go support them. So all you simply have to do is go to the Grow3x website. That's grow3x.com. Click on burrs, then select Roland and DG Shape. Add five burrs of your choice to your cart. Click on checkout. Enter the discount code B3G2. That is B as in boy, the number three, G as in girl, the number two, burrs, and check out. That's awesome. You know what? We actually have a code, Elvis. Boom. That was easy, guys. Go for it. Free burrs. Use them and use them well. And we appreciate your support of the podcast, Grow3x. Thank you. Thank you so much, Joe, for interviewing us and showing us what it's like to be on the other side of the microphone, which I know Elvis and I were both asking questions. We just couldn't do it, but it was a <laughs> ton of fun, <laughs> and we really couldn't imagine anybody else being in the host seat other than you, my friend. So next week, you can catch Joe on his own podcast, Sounds from the Bench, where he interviews everyone we already talked to, but with better questions. Just kidding. Nice work, Joe, and thank you so much. Speaking of Voices from the Bench, how did you come up with that name, Elvis? 
we actually didn't touch on that. It's actually kind of funny. When I was originally thinking up a lot of names, I went through a ton of them. Dental Lab Talk, CDT Talk, and I really fell upon Tales from the Bench, which I thought was a great name. But unfortunately, the website was already taken, oh. and we didn't have the budget nor the know-how how to buy someone's <laughs> website. True to that. So yeah, it eventually became Voices from the Bench. But Honestly, I almost didn't do it because when I was Googling voices from the bench, and this is before the podcast existed, remember, it came up, there's a book called Voices from the Bench, The Narratives of Lesser Folk in Medieval Times. Wow. Yeah. A thrilling read, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) You're being funny today. (laughs) But I almost didn't choose that name because I was afraid the book would, you know, conflict on the website. But luckily, the book's been out of print. It's like over 100 bucks just to buy some rare version of it. So I really didn't think much of it. And Voices from the Bench was born. Good job, Elvis. I'm so glad you answered that question that many, many people probably were wondering. It's not a great tale, but it's an interesting one. It's good. All right, everybody. So next week, we're going to get back to our own side of the microphone and have some more guests as we continue for another 200 episodes. Wow. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. Have a good one. Yay! You know when when we when I was when we were playing when uh, 